DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk a little college football now with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Dudes. Dudes. We learned a lot this weekend. You learned a lot. Talk to me. Give it to me. Let me have it. <laughs> what did you learn, PK? What did you learn is what I want to know. What did I learn? You're a lifetime learner. You're a lifetime learner. You're a guy who never stops learning. I want to hear what you learned. Well, are we speaking life? Are we speaking football? Hey, talk to me, PK. I'm interested in you, whatever you want to talk about. Well, yeah, that's why we're having you on, to have me talk. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, okay. The one thing, I I don't know that I learned it, but it was further in proven, is that Utah's offense, if they don't make mistakes – they're going to win a ton of ball games, and that offense is going to do everything possible to eliminate mistakes. I don't think they they need a whole lot of big plays to win games. They got to do what they do, and don't screw it up, and they'll be fine and dandy. Yeah, I think I think there's I mean, a couple of things that were nice reminders from last weekend. If you're a quarterback for a Division One team, try to reduce turnovers. <laughs> right? Like, I mean. You know, people are complaining about Tyler Huntley. He goes 13 for 16. No no interceptions. His team wins. you got Jordan Love that throws for 400, has three huge interceptions, and then you and you got Zach Wilson that threw, obviously, two pick sixes that he'd love to have back. And then I think the other thing that we learned that I think is a super important piece, and it kind of goes along with what you were just saying, PK, is that the University of Utah's offensive line answered every question that you need to know. They answered every single question. And I know you, you can throw it at me, well, BYU's defensive line isn't that great. Well, they answered the question. They, they pounded the rock. They protected the quarterback. They did what they're supposed to do. And I thought there was some very physical play from a few of them. So this all begs the question, what questions remain and what questions could possibly be answered when you watch Utah play Northern Illinois? assuming you're going to that game or have the Pac-12 network on Comcast? Well, I think this is where these games, when, when you're a P5 school, become important, is these next two games for the University of Utah. You can work on some of the passing game. You can work on some of the wrinkles that you need to do. Obviously, you're still going to come out and you're going to pound the rock, and you're still going to do the things that you always do, play good defense, play solid special teams. And and you're going to win these games, but you can you can you, you can afford to throw in a couple of extra passes here and there on different drives with Tyler Huntley to make sure that he's understanding where he's supposed to be looking and what what type what type of reads that he needs to be making. Now, look, he was 13 to 16. It wasn't a ton of yards. Uh, I think the biggest problem that I had with Tyler is there was too many question mark throws instead of exclamation point throws. And, and when I say that, it's just there was a couple where he looked like he was double he was double pumping again. And there was a couple, even on one of the throws, I think it was the throw to the tight end, I felt like he guided the throw. Like he, the guy was so wide open, he was just being careful. And, and the tight end dropped the ball anyway. But it was like, 
I, I really feel like you could watch a quarterback, and if you're not even watching the play downfield, if you were just looking at him, you can almost tell whether it's going to be a completion or not by the body language of his throw. And I thought there was too many, too many throws on Thursday of last week where Tyler Huntley just had kind of a body language like, oh, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with this, right? I, I want to see him go 13 for 16 in the game, and every single throw was like, yep, this is the right read. And regardless of whether this guy catches or not, you know, I'm going to put a, a catch it or wear it ball on his face mask and make him make him wear it if it, if it if it's not if it's not catchable to him. And so I, that's what I'm looking for out of Tyler. And I think you can work on that the next two weeks. That's where it's difficult for somebody like you know Zach Wilson who's playing. And you guys were the ones who brought this up to me, and it's so astute and so so true. Is BYU's playing a P5 schedule, but they're not really playing a P5 schedule because they play it front loaded. They don't get to work on anything early in the season. You don't get to like try and find out like which plays really work for Zach Wilson and for the running backs and for the running game. It's hard because you can't make mistakes against these athletic teams. Even somebody like Tennessee this week, like if you, if you throw two pick sixes against Tennessee, like they're 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 most likely not going to win this game. And so you, you don't get to you you have to grow up fast in that front loaded schedule. And that's really really hard. Why do your Aggies continue to gag on the road against Power Five teams? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, this is—it was really, really. That was a—I—I I was in a bad mood all day Saturday over that you. game, and I think it's because of the past, right? You look at the Wisconsin, you look at Auburn, you look at the Oklahoma game, you look at Michigan State last year, you look at all these different games where. Yeah, it's like you get to the last quarter and it's fart, fumble, and fall down. If you're an Aggie fan, <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, are you freaking kidding me right now? Are yeah. you kidding me right now?" And and I and I think it has to do with just breaking through. You, you know, I feel I, I remember when Gary Anderson was the coach at Utah State. The first time he told me, you know, the biggest thing that he was fighting is that here we go again attitude. And he felt like, and, and and that was just overall in every game, right? And he felt like there was a game against Hawaii early in his career there where they came back and they didn't say, here we go again. They came back and they won the game. But I think that they're still fighting that psychological thought process when it comes to, like, P5 teams and when it comes to, like, big games on the road. They're still... There's still that mindset of like, oh, here we go again. We're in a close game, and we've made a couple of mistakes here, and there's no way we can pull it out. And until they break through on that, they're not going to be a team that gets recognized nationally in the in the group of five type of thing, like Boise State, who can win a game against Florida State on the road, right? Who has won those P5 games, and like the University of Utah used to win those those big games when they were in the Mountain West Conference. And, and I think that's the next step for the program. It really is. They've got to win one or two of those games so that people at the first of the year start going, oh, wow, what, did you see that? You know, I mean, if Jordan Love throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and one pick and they win by 14 points on the road, people are going, well, God, I know it's just weak force, but, dude, this guy freaking shredded it today. Right. And – 
And I think it's, I, I really think it's that psychological thing that Utah State has to get through to be recognized on a, on a bigger scale in football. And, and we're just not there yet. And hopefully you get there, but man, it's frustrating as an Aggie. I mean, that, that Wisconsin game a few years ago drove me crazy. The, the Auburn game where you're up 10 points with like less than two minutes to go and they get an onside kick. I mean, it, it felt like that. And that, you know, that, that interception by Jordan Love, who's a Heisman Trophy candidate, supposedly, where we don't even get a chance to kick a field goal to tie it. I mean, it just, man, it was it was deflating as a as a former player. Just really hoping for that win to come sooner than later. Is BYU going to pull themselves together? Go against a Tennessee team that needs to pull itself together too. You're the mental you're the mental strength coach here, and it seems like both these teams are beaten down pretty good. Yeah, I think I think you'll see both teams improve quite a bit. Um, I think you know obviously when you start to see that Georgia State's ahead, you, you switch over real quick and you watch some of that game. And you know Tennessee is still very when, I, when I'm watching the game. I still felt like they were the, mo- the more athletic team than Georgia State, but Georgia State was just, I mean, they were pounding the rock on them. Um, there was a lot of undisciplined plays by Tennessee. Um, you know, if, if Tennessee's watching the BYU game, they're feeling like they can pound the rock, they can do some different things. I think both teams will be significantly improved this week. And then psychologically, it'll be the one, it'll be the team – that, that shakes off the cobwebs from last week faster, right? So they're not thinking in their head, you know, like, oh, we should throw right now because we threw two pick sixes last week. Or if the offensive or the defensive coordinator for Tennessee is like, ooh, I don't know if I want to bring that run blitz package again because we got burned by Georgia State last week. You know, you still have to run your stuff. You just have to fix your mistakes. And the team – that is most resilient, that can focus on what's most important right now, right here, right now, in this moment, in this game, and not thinking about last week, and not thinking about next week, is going to be the team that eliminates the most mistakes and can get back on track. But both of these teams, both Tennessee and BYU, desperately need to, to regroup and get some confidence this week. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who can do that because, I mean, I think the thing that's hardest – that, that people don't really talk about is, is you are talking about 18 to 22 year olds and these coaches livelihoods depend on these guys. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure PK was super smart and had it all figured out from 18 to 22, but I didn't, you know, and I, I thought I, I, I thought I knew everything at 18 to 22. And so it's hard to get these guys like back on track and get them focused on the things that are most important. And I think that's, what makes a great coach is these guys that can motivate and inspire and and refocus time after time after time an 18 to 22 year old male. Do you think the Cougars will have more success or more opportunity to run the ball, and will they? Yeah, I think I think they're going to run the ball better. Um, I obviously don't think that this defensive line is anywhere near what BYU went against last week. Um, Excuse me. The defensive line for Tennessee is not as is not as good as what they went what BYU went against last week. But I, I, you still have to be fundamentally correct, and 
you know, I, I would like to see Tyson Williams get more carries. I would like to see Lopini Katoa get in there and, and be a nice offset to him. But I'd like to see them establish the run, use some play action, get some get Zach Wilson some confidence, and maybe get ahead in this game a little bit and make make Tennessee play from behind and see see if you can't pound that rock. I mean I mean I saw the tweet from you, David, this morning where 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 the the playbook is there and I would expect them to follow a lot of what Georgia State did to be able to win this game. COC Mariner, when he was at Utah. Uh, 15 catches one year, 20 catches another, 17 catches a junior year. How does he go out and basically have half a season's production on the road against a Power 5 team, not not some bottom-of-the-barrel Mountain West team? How does he go out and do that? PK and I were talking about this debating. We said earlier in the week, we have to ask Riley when he comes on, how much of it is getting coached to go make a play as opposed to getting coached, you know, don't mess this up, protect the defense, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over. Well, it certainly, I mean, it certainly looked like a different player to me. I mean, everybody was talking to me at Utah State about how good C.O.C. Mariners going to be, and I'm like, how? I mean, like, it's like you said, 17 catches, 20 catches, you know, I, I mean, I, it felt like in that game he had more big plays than he did in his whole Utah career to me. And it's not like it's not like I, I I didn't think he was terrible, but it wasn't like I was going, God, you can count on that guy to be a playmaker. But in this game, I think there was two things that I was thinking to myself. Number one, um, you know, a quarterback that knows where he's going with the football and understands the matchups and understands different things can can make a difference, right? He's playing he's playing with with a significant quarterback right now, and and so it makes it so the whole field's open, not just one part of it. Um, he's playing in an offense where they're trying to take advantage of his matchup, and then I think I don't know. Sometimes in my head, I was just thinking, man, maybe a fresh start. Maybe some new teammates, maybe just a new start sometimes is just just what the doctor ordered, right? But I I I haven't seen in the last ten years, I haven't seen Utah attack the field the way that Utah State attacks the field offensively. And I I gotta be honest, I, you know, uh, I was really, really impressed that the offense didn't miss a beat from from Yost switching over to Safford this year, right? I thought it was a great offense. The danger of Utah State's offense is exactly what happened to them, is three key turnovers. I mean, there was one in the end zone, there was one coming out of his own end zone, and then there was one in the two-minute drill. And so that's where you kind of look at it and you go, well, you know, there is some wisdom in what Kyle Winningham does. Like, yeah, there's not wide receivers putting up eight catches for 117 yards and a touchdown every week. But they're not making the big error that loses a game. So, you know, um, the Utah State has got to eliminate some of those things. It was fun to watch uh, Mariner go out and make all those plays and really see the type of receiver that he probably was coming out of high school and that he was there at the University of Utah and it just wasn't exploited and it just wasn't used in a way that was um, – you know, conducive to the University of Utah's offense. I think you have to put some of that on Troy Taylor too. Like, how does how can a guy like that make all those plays 
against Wake Forest, and you didn't notice that for two, three years that you were at the University of Utah. To me, that that's a little bit of a glaring mistake. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for talking a little college football with you and with us, and we will uh, talk with you again next week. I can't wait. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having me on. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, we've got the poll question up. Utah's now the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12. How long will that last? We'll get to that coming up. Maybe PK will share a couple golf details with us. That was a big day yesterday, PK. Oh, it was. All right. Masters champ Mike Weir got a glimpse of PK's golf game. We'll tell you about that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The new AP poll was released with Auburn being the biggest riser, moving up to number 10 after beating Oregon. Utah moved up one spot to number 13 in the country. Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello, questionable to play against USC this weekend after taking a hit to the head that knocked him out of the Cardinals game against Northwestern on Saturday. Dallas Cowboy running back Ezekiel Elliott has agreed to terms on a six-year, $90 million contract extension. He'll get $50 million in guaranteed money. Rams and quarterback Jared Goff agreed to terms on a four-year contract extension. That's worth a $134 $134 million includes an NFL record $110 million guaranteed. Major League Baseball Nationals set a franchise record for the largest ninth inning comeback as they scored six times beat the Mets 11-10. Top of the Wire brought to you by Syringa Networks. Verizon customers, if you were recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supportive, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call them today at 385-420-7881. That number again, 385-420-7881. That's Syringa Networks. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Gary Anderson, head coach of Utah State. Now that you've had a couple days to kind of look at film, did your perspective of that game change at all from what you saw out on the field? It was a heck of a college football game. I imagine sitting there watching it. Anybody, any fan would have loved to watch that game. It was great to see you know, Caleb do what he did, COC do what he did, Jalen do what he did. Those new additions to the offense were obviously a huge positive. And so a lot to build on, but you know, it's been 48 years since Utah State's been able to go on the road and win one of those games against a Power 5 opponent. And there's been many close affairs. And we've just got to take that step as we continue to grow as a program to get one of those victories. In review, we took it. We were learning from it. We uh, are never going to forget about it. I always tell the kids, you know, put it in your rearview mirror, but leave that little spot in your rearview mirror that you can go back and look at that and understand that it was an opportunity that was lost. We can definitely improve. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Monday from 3 to 6 at Diamond Airport Parking, 50 South Redwood Road in Salt Lake City. Mention you heard this on 1280 The Zone and get 20% off valet parking. You get a valet parking special through all of September. Listeners like deals, 20% off, PK. La, 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 la. (laughs) Mention The Zone at Diamond Airport Parking. Elton John, tonight... La 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 la. La 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 la. We just had the life of Riley. Riley Nelson, Riley Jensen talking college football. So, why does COC Mariner become a much better receiver at Utah State? Do you think it's as simple as they're willing to throw passes 
and let him go make a play. And they take chances in their passing game, which leads to better stats for the receivers, but also leads to the risk of interception. And sure enough, the three INTs get him. Well, Jordan Love kept him in the ball game, and Jordan Love lost him the ball game. So there you go. He's the best quarterback that the kids played with. And so threw him the ball, and he caught it. Got confidence. And he played well. I mean, it's one game. I mean, you're going nuts off of one game. Jumped out at me. There's no way it didn't. And it caught my attention right away. I know. You mentioned it multiple times. You hear anything from Riley that gets you going on the Utes and the Cougars? We got the poll question going on when the Utes are going to uh, not be the top-ranked Pac-12 team. How's long, how long is this going to last? At the end of the season? You know what the Utes will be singing? I'm still standing. Elton John from the 80s, not from the glory days. But still a hit for him. When was the glory days? The 70s. Oh, really? Uh, he cranked out a bunch of hits in the 70s. Yeah, he Going back to my... Took a slip in the 90s or the 80s, you're saying? Oh, a little bit, yeah. Not the same. I really didn't follow it. I couldn't tell you. But you were sure singing it right there. I can't deny that. I sure was. All right, you can vote online. Go to Twitter. Utes now the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12. How long will it last? How long will this keep going? I think it has an opportunity to last the entire season. 265 votes in. 53% of the people say exactly that. This is going to last all year. Why wouldn't it be? The best team in the Pac-12. Well, I guess it wouldn't be because they aren't the best team in the Pac-12. Why wouldn't it be? Washington or Washington State can beat them. And they can beat them. We're low information on it's those two teams. It's not a foregone fait accompli that they're going to lose to either. Right. Or both. They're in the driver's seat. Everyone's chasing them. 20% of the people believe that uh, Utah will not be the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12 because they're going to lose to Washington. That's where it ends. How long will it last until they lose to Washington? Yeah, actually, you can lose to Washington, and still you can be the highest-ranked team in the conference. So, that's Depending on what Washington has done leading up to that? Certainly. How well they're carrying themselves? Yeah. I mean, we've just anointed Washington as this team that's just incapable of losing for some reason. I don't see it. If there's a year to get them, this is it. It seems like they got to do a lot of... Uh, there's a year to get them? My yeah. gosh, they had them two years ago and let them off the hook. They did. So what do you mean if there's a year to get them? Like well, they, Washington has wow, won. you really build up Washington. Well, it's two things. One, they've won two of the last three conference titles. So they are the answer to the question twice in the last three years. And then the other thing is that Chris Peterson has won a lot at Boise State and comes in with a lot of credibility at Washington and then builds them up ahead of schedule, wins a conference title quicker than I think most of us expected, and then went and got another one. Now, so that's can we why. talk in the present? Sure. We've just got done speaking the past. You would have yes. been a great history teacher because that's where you live your life. I learned it from watching you, all right? No, I'm you gonna, didn't. I'm yes, talking about did. now. You have said a bazillion times on this show, and that's a round number, that I will... Continue to see what I have seen. Why do I think it's going to change? Because they barely beat them in the Santa Clara game, and they didn't exactly roll over them last year in Salt Lake. And the year before, the Utes had them, and we let them off the hook. So that's what I know. So one of these times, it's stand to reason, you're actually going to finish the deal and get her done. 
Why not now? This is the best team you've had in the conference. Washington, they're good, but they're not invincible or unbeatable. I've got no problem praising Chris Peterson. He's done a marvelous job. But I'm not going to just keep going back to Washington as if they're Alabama and Clemson. They haven't gotten anywhere near where those teams are. So they're not invincible. Cal beat them last year. I mean, if I'm going to live in the past, then I've got to bring up everything. I can't just bring up selective things. 855-340-ZONE. Grab the phone. Use the open mic. Send us your take. This is the year of the Ute. The year Check of the Ute. Check with the Chinese. You'll see that. It's the year of the rabbit. The year of the Ute. Yeah, but the Ute, according to Regis Philbin, if it's the year of the rabbit, they're a mountain goat, so it's close. <laughs> they live in the same area. Same hillside. According to Regis Philbin, when they were playing uh, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame a few years ago. Irish and... He was yeah. well-versed on the Irish and <laughs> clearly not quite so well-versed on the Utes. I think that's a mountain goat. Yeah. You can think whatever you want, but it's not. But go ahead and think that. More like a Native American tribe, but... Uh, yeah. nah. <laughs> you're an Irish fan. You're not really held accountable for that. Just go back to talking and about Notre New Dame. York. You're in New York talking about Notre if Dame. If you did the show in L.A., maybe you'd have a better idea. But since you do it in New York, you got zero idea. <laughs> uh, it's a, I, I think this is the year they got to get them, man. To me... I agree with that. But it's not, has nothing to do with Washington. It's Utah. Well, Utah's certainly uh, prime. They didn't lose that many guys. They got a lot of guys back from last year. Washington is not invincible. I believe that. In fact, the the conference media, your guy, John Wilner, the hammer, has part of that crew that picked them to win the conference. Why are you so reluctant to jump aboard? I'm all in. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Dovin, all in. All in or in the way. Dovin? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes. So I should have bought this stock I've when it was lower. I full-fledged Dovin all the way in. This is their year, man. Let me dancing in the streets. Uh, so ask the question. We got the poll question up, but we also asked it to get responses. And Danifan Mitchell is right there with you. Rest of the season, I truly believe it's our time. Yeah, I've got no problem with that. Ken says until they play Arizona State. (laughs) Not this year. The Sun Devil, the kryptonite. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Devil fan. I don't deny it, but I got to be honest and true to what I see, and I don't see it this year. I see the Utes winning this year. Snaggy, snazzy Coog, oh, until they play the Huskies. It's going to be a tough ball game. I'm not saying it's a cakewalk. Tougher ball game. That one or Washington State. Because those are the two coaches that Kyle struggled with. His career record isn't good against either guy. More games against Chris Peterson. Smaller sample size with, with Leach at Washington State. You sweating one of those more than the other? I think they're all big. I mean, I... I I've said a million times, all nine of them, the only gimme I see that I can just say for sure is Oregon State. But if we're going to go on the past, you know, the Devils were on top of the world and they went up there and lost. They were like sixth in the playoff. And they went up there in in, uh, November and lost. And the Utes have to go up there in October. Uh, So I guess it could happen. But I see them, they're getting all this love. And when, when a team like Utah gets the love... 
it's more deserved because I don't think that they receive the national voting benefit of the doubt. It's something that has to be earned. Okay, but you've also said, and I think there's truth to this, that people like to say nice things about Kyle and respect them because they like Kyle and their interaction with But him. it has to be earned first, whereas the other guys, they're just going to naturally be assumed that, that they're good. Whether they aren't a Texas, I, I, I'd have to go back and look. Texas slipped, but I bet you they were still being ranked. Until they really slipped. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And so... They got a benefit of the doubt. Utah has to be really good before they're going to be on a national level. Yeah, everybody likes him. They like him as almost a patronizing, oh, yeah, he's he runs a nice program out there. They're so nice. Good people. You know, that, that type of thing. We, we did it for years with Dirk Favors. He's such a polite young man. My gosh. And he, well, you, you, you almost, I don't even want to get into it, but you go overboard in that type of praise. And for them to get the ranking, it's coming through respect of what they've done. And they've got to prove it multiple times. Bronco has said that years ago to where, yeah, if we want to get in any form of playoff, we're going to have to have two 12-0 seasons. The first one isn't going to be good enough. So it's the same thing here. Washington Right now, Washington is ranked based on all your prior years. They're certainly not ranked on the number of players they've got coming back and beating Eastern Washington. They're ranked on precedent. Utah is ranked on now. What they have now. Not what they did, but what they are. That's where you're going to have a little discrepancy for a program like the Utes, and I even think a program like BYU certainly. You've got to do it now. You have to be really good last year or good enough, return a bunch of guys. The The premise of Washington being ranked ahead of Utah, it doesn't hold water. They shouldn't be. They lost nine out of 11, 11 guys defense, on defense. defense, a quarterback, a running back, and they, they return an offensive line. I give you that. One of the receivers is already down. And so you're not basing it on what they are you're basing on what you what they've been and what you think they can become utah's number 10 or well some people voted them 10 but they're what 13 or 14 you said uh that ranking is based on now we've got really good guys now not two years ago but now so they have to prove it even more. So once they do get that respect, it's even more worthy of it because it was slower in coming, just like Oregon. Or what the hell did Oregon do last year to be deserved to rank so high? But they're Oregon, and they show Phil Knight smiling and just passing out cash to the football <laughs> team on the sidelines. And Oregon's a make little, a play, I'll or, give you a thousand dollars. Oregon's a little easier because they have a quarterback who some people thought would get drafted, and he decided not to go in the draft. He decided well, everybody to thought he would get drafted. So they're they're getting points. So you got an NFL quality quarterback. Yeah, you're gonna be one and of the that NFL teams. quality quarterback just lit it up last year. My gosh, they were awesome. Well, so it's on rep. A lot of these teams early in the season, they get it on rep. Utah's not getting it on rep. A little bit of rep, but mostly about the talent that they have today. Not two years ago, right now. That's why it's more worthy of a ranking. And that's why they ain't going to give it up. What has Kyle ever given up? He's given up nothing. He don't give up nothing. 
Gabriel says, considering the Pac-12 is the weakest we've seen it in decades, they should only go up from here. This is not easy for a true blue cougar to accept, but I'm keeping it real. It's the it's the weakest we know in decades. How the hell do you know, Gabe? <laughs> you just threw that out there. What, what what were they in the 80s, Gabe? Tell me. What were they in the 70s? Because you said decades, so you got to go back. You so you're just making up, you're making up stuff. The Pac-10, the Pac-10 actually took a beating in the early 2000s before USC emerged. I can remember sitting there watching. Well, it's got to be way early because they were winning the, the, everything like, in 2004. Right. So that's only three years. Right. But that's when they were taking a beating. I can remember John Makovic sitting on an ESPN set talking about how teams hadn't invested and he'd coached different places and he'd seen that. Yeah, he sucks at Arizona, so he's trying to save face. <laughs> What's wow. wrong in the pack? Who 10? knew about that? Let's see. The reason why we sucked, it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. Yeah, I get it, Johnny. And Thanks then, for coaching at Arizona. It was a great time. I wish they would have re-upped <laughs> a lifetime you. contract. Held on to you for another You week. sucked really bad, and it's somebody else's fault. Thanks. Corey says the Huskies, the Cardinal, and the Cougars are superior to the Utes. Well, they're not playing why do you say Stanford. That? He doesn't go into why. Well, I, I can't respond to that. You just can't throw something out without any baggage. I got to know why. Tell John, me why. Johnny believes that they are going to be the best team in the Pac-12 until they play Washington in the Pac-12 title game, and Winningham calls a timeout to help the Huskies win the game. He did not do that. He, that, that timeout that, that he called did not help them win the game. That's according to him. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> So that's the good thing about him is he won't back down, man. All right. It's a Wednesday. We've got uh, your chance to win tickets. It's a win tickets Wednesday. And tickets are coming up next. We'll tell you what you've got a chance to win when we come back. It's concert tickets on the way on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Final tour, KISS is headed to Utah. Get ready to rock when KISS brings their end-of-the-road world tour with guest Royal Bliss to Yasana Amphitheater on Saturday, September 14th. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com or win four of the tickets right now. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. 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 Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We're looking for caller 12 right now. Caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. All right, PK, we were talking about in this time period yesterday, 
Maybe it's a little later. For people who don't know, you golfed with the Masters champion. Yeah, he had a good time. He had a good time hanging out with you? Mm-hmm. Gave him stories on his Cougars, all the dirt he needed to know. Got you out there on the back nine. Gave you a few tips. And then the stories about BYU started flowing. All the deep dive, all the inside <laughs> info you know. He wasn't much interested in BYU. <laughs> he didn't even care at all. <laughs> didn't talk about- so how nerve-wracking is it? Because I imagine that it would be awful. He was nervous. <laughs> Intimidated by your greatness. <laughs> talking Mike Weir. Yeah, Mike Weir, what a great dude. Really just a tremendous guy. Invited me out to play golf yesterday, and uh, I told him, I said, this is a real honor and privilege. And I said, I'm, I'm serious. This is a lifelong golfer you're talking to, and to be able to play with someone of his stature, I've never done that before. I've played with a lot of club pros and all, but I mean, he was a touring yeah, but a pro. Masters champion. Yeah, no, I've never done that. Thanks. Uh, uh, you know, I've interviewed them over the years, obviously, and that's part of the gig. And I normally don't uh, have any like starry-eyed experience. Being with Mike Weir, it wasn't a starry-eyed experience. I've been around him yeah, before, but, but playing eighteen. But playing eighteen, yeah, that was that was different. And so I promptly tripled the first hole. All right, <laughs> four putt, drive it OB. I hit a decent drive. You know, I don't hit the ball very long. It's just uh, I had a shoulder injury, and so he gave me a little tip to try to get some more distance. But for me, my game is, you know, play from the blues. If it's 3,300 per nine yards, I'm, I'm usually okay. Uh, Longer than that's trouble. I would start getting to 35, 36, 37. Yeah. Then, you know, I'm going to need an up and down to par probably. Whereas you know, if, it's, if it's over 450, I'm probably going to need an up and down, uh, which, you know, I'm capable of doing. But uh, this is a par five to start, and uh, I had a decent drive, and then hit a grounder on the second shot, and then third shot, hit it into the trees, pitched out, okay, uh, hit a little wedge on the green, and three-putted. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Because I, it's almost like, well, don't be way short, you know. Right. As long as you're not too far long. It doesn't look that bad, but if you're way short, it looks bad. So I was aggressive and went past and then missed the putt coming back, and I tripled. And I, oh, brother. Now, if it had been me, I'd have gone to the next hole. I probably would have doubled that. I par two. Uh, see, that's why you're you and I'm me. Yeah. I could have. If stuff goes wrong for me, I just, I mean, <laughs> just, I can have three or four bad holes oh, in a row. And that's, uh, that just, was the only non-bogey or par that I had. I had no birds. I had no doubles. I wish I was you. So I had the, the rest <laughs> I, of I'd the... I'd love to uh, say that. The rest of the 17 holes were either a bogey and, or a par. So let's get to the good stuff then. How awesome is it to golf with a Masters champ? Does he do stuff with a golf club? Recognize, you know, he's older now, so he's probably lost, you know, a certain amount of flexibility, distance, and whatever. It's but I would assume he still does stuff with golf awesome. clubs that, like, nobody else you play with does. It was a pure pleasure to see him be consistent in his approach. And I watched him. You know, I was studying him. He probably didn't know it. But, like, his pre swing routine and his practice swings they're all designed with an intent not just there's uh, nothing accidental everything builds on something else yeah and to just to see him 
do what he does. He was just awesome. I I don't know that he. I don't think he kept score. Not, maybe he did in his head, but he didn't write anything down. Uh, but I think he was probably six or seven under. Uh, and there was no such thing as a dog leg to him. He, if it was a dog leg, he just hit over the trees and got to where you would need to go. But, you know, he's very friendly. He was encouraging. You, you felt, and this is a tribute to who Mike Weir is, you felt like you were playing with a buddy. And going in, to make it clear to people, you knew him casually. I mean, we'd had him on the show a couple times right. on the phone. Oh, yeah, he asked me, he says, DJ play? Not well. Yeah, and I, told, <laughs> and I told him, I said, yeah, he wouldn't be comfortable coming out here. You know, he's trying to get back into, not, I don't know if it's back in the game, he's trying to play more regularly as kids have grown and you get a little free time for nine here and there. Yeah. So I said, he's trying, but I don't think he would, and I said, we actually talked about it. Somebody brought it up. Why didn't I invite you? And I said, it wasn't well, my place to invite, I forget. Yeah. And you had said, well, it was obvious you wouldn't have felt comfortable. I would not. So, right. So I wouldn't have put you in that situation. I understand that. My yeah. game is more advanced than yours. Big time. Uh, but I played a million more times. Yeah. I mean, I think you can get there if you if you made the commitment. Uh, so just to, to play with a buddy like that who is at the high level. And he told a couple of stories that I won't repeat. Uh, and that were funny. Good. Uh, like tour stuff? Uh, yeah. I mean, I told you one. I mean, I won't repeat on air. I'm, playing along oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i know the one you told me uh, it was funny yeah so it just it was just fun to be with someone who does that for a living yet would act like you know he's known you for 30 years and he's your friend right and then and, and the guy is so cool i walked up on the driving range and it's funny i walk up on the driving range and there's a guy sitting on the bench who i knew and i've played with before Right, he's not playing with us, right. but he just happens to be there. <laughs> yeah, he's a member. Uh huh. So he sees me, and I've played with him there before, and then he sees Mike, who's already Mike is with another friend, and Mike is there, and Mike sees me approach, and he's hey PK, and it was obvious to my friend, my other guy, that Mike was expecting me which obviously he was and i could see the other guy in his eyes and wait a second (laughs) (laughs) you're you what are you doing hanging out with him (laughs) that's how i would feel if i were in the group with mike where i'm me what am i doing hanging out with him he's got he's got a green jacket but obviously mike knew i was coming and so hey how's it going here's my friend mike was his friend's name and and then there was a slot next to him on the range and we just started hitting and just thinking and i told i said after about five balls, I, I said, Mike, I said, I'm really nervous here. <laughs> and, and so, just so you know. And he said, oh, it's going to be okay. I said, I, he says, I watched you swing. You're okay. And so, he, try, he tried his best to put me at ease. And I, and I have to say, after that first hole, I did feel like I was just golfing with guys I've golfed with. So, you shot what you normally shoot after the first hole. Yes, yeah. Because that's pretty much you. There aren't a lot of birdies in your game because you don't hit it far enough. But there aren't a lot of double bogeys in your game because you're pretty good and you don't let one shot bleed into the next and you can get yourself out of trouble and be smart. I lipped out two birds. Hmm. Was, I thought they were dropping and they didn't drop. Uh, so I had a chance. 
Yeah, the day before, I'd had three birds on the back nine. On Monday, I went down to Talents Cove, beautiful course. I'd encourage anybody to go down there. In fact, Mike was asking me about it because I had, uh, the day before, I was f- I uh, was four over at from the uh, at Talents Cove. And I said, oh, it's really nice, you know. I we my wife and I enjoy playing Talents Cove very much, but yeah, I was I was unsettled. I, I wish I would have played better. I'm I'm capable of playing better because I I also hit like four grounders, and I think it was just a case of the nerves. But I don't think he cared either way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and twelve eighty. The zone. We got a lot of football to discuss. Riley Nelson and Riley Jensen. Both dumped a lot of knowledge on us earlier in the show, and we'll tell you all about that coming up. Stay with us.